Raise your right hand and repeat after me. I say your name. You solemnly swear. You Support and defend. The Constitution of the United States. Against all enemies. Foreign and domestic. And to bear true faith. And allegiance to the same. And I will obey. The orders of. The President of the United States. And the orders of. Those officers. Appointed over me. According to regulations. And the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So help me God. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of the American Vet Podcast. I have the pleasure of sitting here with Brian. Brian is a 18 and a half year and counting Air Force veteran and Air National Guard. He's been on two major deployments and numerous undisclosed overseas trips as a sign of force. He is also the host of another podcast called Talk on the Rocks, and hopefully we'll dive into a little bit of that, what that's all about. But it should be shaping up to be a good episode, and I want to say thank you again, Brian, for coming on, and how are you doing today? Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me. This is fucking awesome. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I had somebody say that to me, it cost me like 40 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and two kids later, no. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. 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 <laughs> Paperwork hasn't come the- back. Right, waiting on that Mori episode. <laughs> so, Brian, why the uh, why the military? Well, I mean, I was one of those kids back in high school that I knew college was not going to pan out well. Right when <laughs> right. you're a junior in high school and you're only going to school to see where the party's going to be and see what <laughs> girls are going to be there, right? You're like, I am not concentrating on this uh, on the whole school thing. Plus, <laughs> I mean, every report card, every report card I got was basically a teacher telling me not living up to your potential, a lot of waste of talent, all that kind of stuff, <laughs> right? And I'm like, all right, I, I think it's time that I got some direction. And I always loved it. I always loved the idea of the military. I always thought, uh, you know how people say that, like they have this calling. And I think I always kind of had the calling. Right. As far as whenever I watched a military movie, I read military books, I was always like, this shit's fucking awesome. Like getting up every day and doing something that matters yeah. as opposed to no offense to any civilians living out listening to this, but <laughs> you just get up and do something just because. Right. Right. And that, that just seemed awful to me. So I just finally decided, uh, it was my senior year of high school when 9-11 happened and that was, that was it. You know, when that, uh, the, when the plane hit the tower, I was like, let's fucking do this. Yeah. It's go time. And yeah, and at that point, I was absolutely 100% committed. I talked to my recruiter. I'm like, I can early graduate. Let's go. Yeah. And he's like, enjoy senior year. And <laughs> then, uh, so I did to the full extent. I, I uh, had to do some community service to make sure I didn't have a rap sheet to make sure I could join the military. <laughs> wow. I enjoyed it, enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then uh, nine days after high school graduation, I was off to Lackland Air Force Base uh, in Texas. Wow. All right. So where were you living at the time that you go into into the Air Force? So coming from Maine. Okay. So uh, I lived in Maine all my entire life, a little white suburban kid. Yeah. So not cultured at all. Uh, very isolated, <laughs> very preppy. And then, you, you know, you take a guy like that and then you throw him into uh, Texas <laughs> in June. 
And I remember my bunkmate was from deep South Alabama. Um, and he was very black and I was right. very white. And right. we just looked at each other like we've never seen a person like each other in our yeah. entire lives. Let's make it work. And, uh, <laughs> we were, yeah, exactly. We pretty much had to use sign language for a little bit because he had that deep South like bass, you know, and talked real slow. Right. I'm from New England. So yeah. he talked real fast, hands going everywhere. Right. And he's just kind of like, man, you need to slow down. <laughs> so by the end of boot camp, we actually could talk to each other and actually communicate. But for a while, it's like, you know, hand gestures and like, all right, yeah, let's make this work. So. Right, right. So I don't know if I, 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 it might be my fault, but I don't know if I told you this prior to sitting down recording with you, but um, being that you are in Maine, I'm going to need one of those uh, moose tags for next year for the season 2021. Uh, oh, otherwise, shit. I'm yeah. not going to put this out in the, on the, out in the air. <laughs> oh, dude, like I live, I mean, we just have those. That's like our keychains up here, you know, so we just, you should have just said something. I'll, uh, not a problem. I'll bring it right down to you. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> So what was the, uh, so yeah, I mean, that must have been a good culture shock or whatnot. I mean, you're pretty much like what most of my guests are saying. And as I talk to other veterans and I, and I, you know, build my brand here, um, a lot of us are kind of like that. They're just like, I'm just going to get through high school because it's stupid. Right. And I'm going to party. I'm going to have a good time. I don't have any plans. And then you go into the military, but so it's kind of. Yeah. And I, and I joined. And the entire, the funniest, the, the weirdest part and the funniest part is once I was in, like I was at boot camp and I kind of developed this mentality, which is awful to have. And it was, what's the worst they're going to do? Kick me out? And then I'll right. go to college. Like I'll go right. join up with my friends. Like <laughs> what's the worst you're going to do to me? Right. So, uh, I definitely, uh, beginning years of boot camp and training school probably broke every single rule I could have. Cause I'm like, what are you going to do? Yeah, right. right? I, I was that dirtbag guy that I was just like, what, you know, I had a, the folder of all the LOCs and all that. They're like, you can't go party in Mexico. That's like one of the rules. I'm like, don't put me so close to it. Yeah. If you don't want me to go. Don't make it a rule. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're the military. We're the Air Force. We can do whatever we want, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm like, let's be honest. I mean, they're like, you got some combat training. If it comes down to me doing combat training, yep. we're in, we're in deep shit. Right. Like the Marines, the Army and the Navy, they're all dead. And you're looking at the Air Force guy to defend us. We got a real problem. So. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, not much I'm going to do at that point. <laughs> going to Canada, I guess. I'm, I'm You're almost there. I'm going to shoot my rounds as quickly as I can and be like, well, it's in God's hands now. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> Absolutely. So what was your. Uh, so, I mean, you're, you're you're just kind of hit on it, but you're like. So did that get you in trouble at all on boot camp or anything like that or. Like just well, boot camp, yeah, boot camp, I was scared shitless. No, make no doubt about it, right? Yeah. I had to take weight gainer to join the military because I was so scrawny. Okay. Nice. So, so the entire time, like, and having this, these huge men just screaming in my face, I'm just like, I, I was basically going to shit myself every given moment. <laughs> but once I got through that and then I got into the training schools of it, I was just kind of like, okay, like, I'm done with people yelling at me. I'm done with the discipline. <laughs> So I'm going to do what I want. You do you. I'm going to do me. Yep. And yeah, I got in trouble. Like the first day out of boot camp, I show up at training school. We finally got our cell phones, right? So obviously you're texting girls and stuff like that. Oh, like, yeah. Hey, what's going on? Right? Like, look at a picture of me in my uniform. And yeah, I'm going to all the stuff. bars in my uniform tonight. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I'm still in Texas. It's so cool. And uh, And I remember this guy came up to me and he's like, excuse me. And I gave him the finger, like the hold on for a second finger. Yep. Right? 
and I'm still talking to this girl. And then he just kind of waited, and I'm like, that's some nice rope you got on your shoulder there. That's cute. And I just kept talking and stuff. And then <laughs> come to find out, uh, those stripes on his uh, sleeve I did not catch, which was a senior NCO. Yep. And he was <laughs> one of those guys that did not appreciate me give, telling him to hold on. <laughs> and then the rest of my time in Texas, he made sure that my life was complete shit. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> but he, but I mean, I didn't help myself. Like he would say, okay, you cannot go out after eight o'clock. I'm like, all right, got it. He's like, you are locked down in the barracks. I'm like, yep, understood. Yeah. And then like one in the morning, you know, he'd be doing his rounds and he sees me getting dropped off in front of the barracks. And he's like, the fuck is wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know. Like, it's, I got invited to a party. Like, I don't know what you want me to do. Yeah. Everybody's higher ranking than me. So when somebody says, you want to go to a party? It's a yes. I mean, it's yeah, an order. I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to say yes. Right. <laughs> I was at a strip club one time underage and, yep. uh, my instructor of the school was there and he finally like locked eyes with me from across the stage. And he's just like, he comes over. He's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, what are you doing here? Yeah. And he's just like, you're not supposed to be here. I'm like, I'm with her. And I yeah. point to the girl on the stage and he's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, nah, bro, you're, you're buying my breakfast right now. Yeah. Like, and yeah. he's just like, <laughs> he just goes, you're hanging out with strippers? I go, yeah, they drive me around because you guys won't let me drive. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I had a great time, right? Like everyone's like, oh, I hated tech school. I'm like, I had a blast, but. <laughs> I guess, uh, I guess the moral of that story is tech school is what you make it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's exactly what you make it. Don't follow my footsteps, though, because I heard they're really cracking down now. <laughs> See, I don't know, man. If I if I was caught in a in a strip club, I, uh, I my reaction probably would have been like, "Yeah, I'm here with my sister. She's on the stage right now." <laughs> I would have made it really awkward. Or oh, something. oh yeah, like <laughs> she was also mom, born bro. a man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean I had a great time. And then, like from Texas, we went into Arizona. And like, like I said, the first rule they say is like, do not go to Mexico. And I'm right. like, all right. So how close is Mexico? And they're like an hour and a half drive. And I'm like, all right, like highway, like, or is it like back roads? And he's like, it's all highway, but why? I'm just like, I'm just making sure I don't go down the wrong road. And so would you say like you need a passport to come through every time or just a military ID? And he's just like, you're going to be a problem. I'm like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to have some problems. <laughs> I mean, it depends and, on what you want to admit that you saw. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll never forget. We went, so obviously went down to Mexico. Yep. Uh, and it was this town called Nugales. And it was basically like a simple rule, like stay on the main strip, right? Okay. Like just stay here on one side of the road was the bar. And it was like, I don't know, 50 American dollars, all you can drink all night. Nice. And on the other side was the club, right? So it was like 25 bucks in and out. So you just kept going across the street, get more drinks, go back to the club. Yep. And then my buddy ran out of money and he's like, I need more money. And I'm like, okay. And he's like, it's a little off the strip. I'm like, oh, fuck it. Who cares? Everyone's very friendly around here. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> as soon as you're off that main strip, what happens? Yeah. You're getting robbed. So the first time we went to Mexico, we came back across the border with just our uh, underwear and military IDs. Nice. I mean, that's all so you need. <laughs> right. And well, by the time my uh, MTI found out about that, he's just like, I fucking told you the one place not to go. And then if you did go there, do not go off the main strip. I'm like, yeah, we didn't listen to any of that. We were just trying <laughs> to figure out why. You weren't clear on why. <laughs> now we know why. But Right. But after tech school and all that, I finally got into my first active phase. Um, and then from that point, really got my shit together because as soon as you show up there, they're like, listen, this is no bullshit. You're not yeah. on fake airplanes. 
You know, we have a real mission. We got real shit going on. Okay. And after that, I, I'll admit, I fell right back in love with it. Right. It was <laughs> just like the party's over, but this shit's awesome. Oh, and yeah. when you're working like on the A10, right, at any given moment, especially during the early days of Iraq and Afghanistan, at any given moment, you were getting the call like, all right, it's time to go do the job. Right. And when your boots actually hit the sand over there and you're, you know, like, I took care of this A-10. This was my baby. I knew that I knew her inside and out. And I knew the pilots. Like, I knew their wives. I knew their kids. Yeah. So when he strapped in and he took off, he looked at me. He's like, is the jet good? Yeah. And you were the guy that said yes or no. Right. right. Your signature said that that guy's going to come back. And when you launched him out and he took off with a full, you know, armor and then he comes back bone dry, that's a hard on that you'll never forget. Right. Like that's, <laughs> that's like we did God's work today. Nice. And he's, and then he gets out and he's like, Hey, we're going to need this jet in another hour. And it's like, let's go. Yeah. Let's you know? do it. So what was your MOS that you went into the Air Force for? A 10 crew chief. Okay. So basically what that is. So you learn about jets in general. And then you get a specialty. So like an F-15, an F-16, or mine was the A-10. Now, when you get assigned the A-10, you look at it. And if you don't know anything about airplanes, you're like, this is ugly. I signed up for fighter jets. You're thinking F-15, 16, or something like that, right? This thing is big. It's slow. And you're just like, all right. But then you find out like that 30 millimeter Gatling gun on the front. Yeah, the bird. Yeah, the bird. That that is the... (laughs) That is the sound of God coming to earth. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you learn about all that stuff and then you get, you learn the hydraulic systems. You learn, you know, the weapon payloads. You learn, uh, everything there is to know about that airplane. And you, you know, you walk out as a very junior mechanic out of the schooling and then you yep. progress into a, what we call a full up seven level, which is, you know, just about everything about the airplane. At any given point, you can sign off anything that says it's mission capable. Okay. So. I got into that, uh, did the A-10 for quite a few years, joined the Air National Guard for the A-10. As soon as I dropped my arm, you're right, you swear in, drop it. They go, how do you feel about F-15s? <laughs> I go, I don't know. They look good at the air show. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're like, Is that what Tom Cruise you? flew? <laughs> yeah, right. Like, I'm like, I don't, it looks really cool. It's really loud. And they're like, I'm like, but yeah, I'm an A-10 guy because I like to go places and watch my aircraft kill people and blow shit up. Right, right. right. That's, that's the mission. Yeah. They're like, yeah, we just got bracked. We're going to become an F-15 unit. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and then, so I got to learn the F-15, which is basically like trying to learn uh German in Latin. Okay. Right? It, 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 you're just kind of like, what the fuck is this thing? You know, like on the A-10, when the jets, are, when the uh, engines are running, you can walk by it and it's really not that big of a deal. Right. They tell you with this thing, when the jets are running, when the engines are running, oh, it's going to kill you if you get within 50 feet of it. And you're like, okay, that's, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. And then, <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, uh, and then it's just a different mindset. You do more NATO missions and you do that kind of stuff. You're not in the desert, you know, blowing up people or, you know, making way for uh, the Marines to get through on a convoy or something like that. You're, right going to Eastern Europe and making sure Putin doesn't be an asshole. Right. That's, that's the new mission. Yeah. You're the other side of the essential part of it. Right. Or Homeland security. Right. Uh, We also do that kind of stuff where you're either protecting uh, air force one, if it's in within your airspace and heaven forbid, if another nine 11 happens, right. Your jets are the one that are cock locked, ready to go. 
Hey, something, an airplane's in uh, a vicinity it shouldn't be. They're launched within about five minutes. So, Right, right, yeah. Which is, I mean, that's got to be exciting and also mentally, I mean, you got to, so like when I change my car oil, right, like for the first 50 miles, I'm I'm always like second guessing myself. I'm like, yeah, pretty sure the nut's on tight enough. (laughs) Or like when I change a tire, I'm like, I'm hopefully the tire doesn't come off. You know, that's my... My confidence in myself, never mind trying to, all right, I got to suit up this A-10 because this A-10 is going to have a pilot. He's got a fu- wife. He's got kids. And he's going to protect all the Marines on the ground. And I'm signing, that's my name right there and saying, yep, you're going to save some people today. Or, yep, you're on a course for doom. You know, so that's, right. I, I, I applaud you for that. Um, it's a lot of stress, man. That's got to be. It, yeah. And, and the funny thing is, like. All the most of the guys that I work with, and most of the guys I've worked with throughout my career, uh, we're, we're very quickly identified in the Air Force, right? Right. It's like that's a fucking crew chief because typically you're a cocky asshole, right? But you have to be, right? Because yeah. when your signature is on that piece of paper saying "I fixed it, it's good, fly it," kind of stuff, yeah. there's like you said, like is that bolt tight? Is this happening? You know, yeah. throughout my career. Uh, the most unfortunate thing that you, you ever deal with is when you lose an aircraft and there is a body in that uh, right. seat, right? Um, throughout my career, like there was one instance where we were prepping for a deployment. We were pushing it hard. It was nonstop flying 24 hours a day, basically just constantly go, 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 get the training in. And all of a sudden you hear a boom. And at that time, it's a boom that you're like, that's not normal. Right. That's not a normal boom. And all of a sudden, it's an all stop. And you know, some shit has just happened. Right. And what had happened was uh, the pilot is, uh, we were up in Alaska and the, he took off and he was flipping to night vision goggles because it was night flying. And there's a delay, uh, from when you flip it on, you know, until your eyes right. adjust. Right. And at that time, he didn't realize that the aircraft was slowly turning okay. okay so it was going from right side up to upside down oh, uh, one of the one of the uh flight controls was stuck in one position but it was just doing a slow roll okay. basically so by the time that he got his nvgs up and then we call it bitching betty which is the warning 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 yeah, yeah. right so he hears warning 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 low altitude he pulls up ah oh, damn so and then so you hear the boom Something bad has happened. It's an all stop. And then you have to, as an A-10 crew chief, you know the aircraft or better than anyone, most people. Right, right. And if you have some kind of backbone to you and your chain of command believes that you can handle it, you're going to the crash site. Right. And you're picking pieces of that guy that you just talked to the size of a quarter is the biggest piece left of him. Right. So that's, that's the reality of the situation, right? And yeah. once you go through that, you take that signature and everything you do, you stand behind it 110%. Right. Absolutely. And that's just, and that's just the mindset you develop over the years. And you start to teach, you know, the younger guys coming up, like if you make a call, you got to stand by that fucking call. You know, and that's, and you learn through trial and errors and that's why you're always practicing and you get, you know, triple checked from everybody and stuff like that while you're coming up. But yeah, that's always on your mind. Is that bolt? tight enough was this you know was everything the way it's supposed to be because if you do have that unfortunate incident 
everything you did is going to be scrutinized to the tenth, you know, the millionth degree. And, and then that's just a responsibility you take on. And then next thing you know, when you're outside of work, right? Yeah. Everyone's like, you're just a cocky asshole. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm, I'm, but and you're just like, I, I, this is my life. This is what I do. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I'm sitting here, you're, you're telling a story and I'm, and the only thing I'm thinking about is like, you know, I mean, yeah, besides the tragic event, but what I'm saying is, uh, complacency. How do you get around that? Cause I'm thinking, you know, as a crew chief guy, you know, you look at the A-10 a hundred times the same way every time because you're going to get in a routine because it's working. How do right. you fight that complacency deal? It's it's extremely hard. Yeah. Okay? Um, like when I was stationed out in Alaska, it's negative 30 degrees out. You're, right? you're assigned three different A-10s because you're the lowest ranking guy. Right. And, and so you got three aircraft that you got to inspect, repair, and put to bed. And you do that five, six, seven days a week, nonstop, right? And unfortunately, a tragedy like that really, you know, gets that complacent. Once you go through that, you'll never be complacent again. Right. Because, but when you're 19, 20 years old, nothing bad can happen, right? right? And you're just working a job because you have, your boots haven't done anything yet. Right. So you're just there, you're going through the motions, you know it. You feel you know what you need to do. You know, you're an expert after being on the job for like a year and a half, right? right. Um, and it does become extremely complacent, but the close calls happen. Um, you know, you fired up uh, a jet and hydraulic fluid starts spilling out of, all over the place and you're like, oh shit. Holy hell. Yeah. Right. Right. What happened there? Hey, that wasn't tight. What the fuck? And stuff like that. Yeah. Um, luckily for me, like I said, once I was out of the uh, tech school, let's just party, what's the worst that's going to happen stage, and you actually become friends with some of the pilots, and you start to learn that, yeah, they have wives, they have kids, and stuff like that. Yeah. And you're strapping them in, and you're launching them out. Um, I can say I never really had full complacency because it struck home with me, and I took it very personally, which yeah. helped me succeed quite a bit, right? Like, yeah. you win awards and stuff like that, and... uh so I was very fortunate on that event, but it was just that, and there's that competitive edge. Like I always wanted to be the best. Like every unit I I joined, um, every, I would look at who's the guy, yeah. right? Okay, there's the bar. How the fuck do I exceed that guy? You exactly. know, like that was always yeah. my nature. And the and in our business, the best way was to be the best mechanic possible. Know everything, learn as much as you can. Um, you know, you're working sixteen and seventeen hour shifts. Yeah. Because you're the guy and you want to be that guy, right? Oh, yeah. I, uh, you know, we would have, I remember walking off the flight line, you know, after like 12 plus hours, a dip in, your hands are full of grease, right? Your uniform looks like complete garbage. Right. But then you hear that jet taking off as the sun's coming up and you're like, yeah, I fucking did that. Oh, you know, yeah. and that was, and that was always <clears throat> the thing is that you always wanted to be the guy. I always competed to be the best at everything I did. Um, I'm not going to say I was because I definitely came across some awesome, you know, crew chiefs throughout the yeah. day that are like, they'll school me any day of the week with their eyes shut. <laughs> but yeah. it was always that drive to push and knowing that I never wanted to be the guy that sent someone on their last flight. Right? Hell yeah. You don't want to make that you phone call. Right. Yeah. So what is the, so you get it to a new duty station. So like the pilots, are they automatically like trying to friend you? Like, cause they know that like, if I friend him he and if I tell him my life and who I am, 
or or is there some sort of like you got to earn your friendship with these guys still? I would say there's a big difference between active duty and the guard. Okay. In active duty, um, in the with the A10 world, right? We always had two different pilots. You had the old school pilots, right? Like a guy to come up to you and be like, "You got a dip," and he'd throw one in, then hop up in the cockpit, like, "Dude, this guy's my man." Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and he was he was like, "Hey, you do your job, I'll do mine. We'll fucking get along great." And you're like, "Awesome." We'll get it. And then, yeah. yeah, once he realizes you're the guy uh, that uh, takes care of his aircraft and stuff like that, then he, you know, you start to form that bond. And then you have the academy grads. Yeah. And they show up and they're fluffing their hair, yeah. right? And they're like looking down at you and they're like, hey, what's up with this? And they're like kicking the tires like, you know, you do when you're looking at a new car. Right, right. Yeah, they're, like, they're like kicking the tires of the airplane like, no, that looks good. You're like, you have no idea what the fuck you're looking at, bro. Just get up in the seat. Just get in the seat. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right. And then you get, you know, you get calm up and stuff like that. And he'll start like trying to diagnose what's going on with the airplane. And you're just like, oh my God. And you're like, no, this is what's going on, sir. What you need to do. And he's like, I'll tell you what I need to do with the airplane. And at that point, you're just like, fuck off. You know, like, that's it. Yeah, that's when you start and, saying, like, uh, you're breaking, I'm going, you're going through a tunnel. I can't, I can't hear you. <laughs> right. Like, uh, there was this one time, there was this one pilot fresh from the academy. Um, and he thought he was better than everyone. And, uh, he shit on everyone that was in maintenance all the time because he was the guy. Yeah. And the worst thing you can do to a maintainer, right, is they have a lot of like little switches in the cockpit. And um, it seemed almost like clockwork. He would fly on Fridays when we had the weekend off. And he would come down and he'd be like, I broke one of those switches. And then walk away. Now, you can't have any loose pieces in Anywhere. a cockpit. Right, yeah. I mean, so you Right. So you can't go home until that switch is found, the little you know bearing inside of it is found. All and all it. that kind of stuff. So he did this like numerous times. And I remember one night I was like, yo, fuck this guy. I'm done yeah. with this shit. And my buddy's like, we need to fuck him up. I'm like, yeah, we do. Yeah. So what we did is uh, there was a wall between our room in the squadron and the pilot's room. But they had the drop ceilings. Okay. So me being the little guy, they hoisted me up, <laughs> put me up through the ceiling. I low crawl through the ceiling, dropped down into the pilot's room, found that guy's mask. We pissed all over it, let it dry. <laughs> so Monday morning when that fucker comes in, right, you see him, he's get, puts his helmet on and he then he puts his mask over his face, right, for air. And the first hit, you were just like, he just, you just saw his eyes like, something's not right. And we're all just looking at him like, that's right, fucker. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jesus Christ, so, man. I didn't think about that. I'm thinking here that you're going to go in a way like, yeah, we just we just downed his fucking plane for weeks. <laughs> no, no. You, I mean, like, because you you always wanted to have the you took a lot of pride in your airplane stats, right? Right. Okay. If your jet's down, it means you can't fix it. Okay. So so that jet's gonna fly, right? Like, I'll right. do everything in my power to make that jet fly. If your pilot's being a dick, you fuck with that pilot. Yeah. And then um, so that was kind of active duty. It was like you had some really cool guys, and then like uh, if they ever left anything in the cockpit, right? The rule was you buy your crew chief a 30 rack. If right. your crew chief finds your stuff, brings it back to you, like, especially your maps or anything like that. Anything. Hey, you yeah. let, you left this, right? And you'd be like, all right, I got you. And then, so you had those guys that are like, oh, absolutely. What are you drinking, bro? And, yeah. uh, they'll be there within an hour with a 30 rack and be like, hey, thanks for helping me out. Yeah. You, and then guys you have the guy, right. And then you have the guy that wants to be a dick. So you piss in his mask. <laughs> so that was, so that was active duty in the guard. 
it's not like active duty because you're not going anywhere. No one's right. PCSing, right? Okay. Yep. So a pilot comes in and you're with them for as long as that pilot's there or as long as you're in that unit, you right. know, until you either die or retire. That's, that's it. it. Yeah. So they get along. Uh, they're much, much, much closer, right? Uh, they, as opposed to like active duty, there's the O club and the enlisted club and they don't mingle. Okay. Whereas at the guard unit, they definitely mingle, you know, right, they definitely, right. Hey, you know, your pilot comes over to you. He knows your name. He knows your wife's name. He knows your kid's name because he's known you for 10 years. Yeah. He's coming over you know? for barbecues. Right. Exactly. So it's yep. very different on that aspect. It's much, much closer. Um, which is good because then as crew chiefs, you take it that much more personal. Yeah. Hell yeah. And I, and I, and it builds that more camaraderie between you and him too. So where you're not as afraid to say, Hey, listen, dude, um, not feeling safe about this next flight. You know what I mean? As right. opposed to just saying like, yeah, no, man, my shit's good. <laughs> you know? Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. You, you have that camaraderie and you definitely know like, but you also know, like, if, if we have some pilots, they take off and you're like, that shit's going to be fucked up because he's an idiot. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And, it's, and so, like, we always have, like, forms and stuff like that. So, you know, everything you do has to be documented on the airplane. Yep. And the one thing pilots hate to see is when they say, hell, oh, this, this aircraft had an issue. And then they come back to the forms to see what the fix was and you write operator error. Yeah, they're just just like really i'm like yeah you fucked it up it's fine (laughs) i fixed the operator so we're good now (laughs) weird i got another pilot it worked just great so this is on fucking you bro so as you take your your sip of your drink there do you have you ever been able to like go up with them or anything like that or ever been able to actually just fly one on your own or what's the deal with that so yeah you can never just take a fighter jet by yourself just for fun Right. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm thinking like, you know, I got to road test it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, back in the day, way before I enlisted, they definitely, uh, they were allowed to taxi them around as opposed to us towing them all over the place. Okay. You can't do that anymore, probably because you could also, you know, like, you can only have two beers at lunch. Remember, guys, you know, back in the <laughs> right. day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, no, we do have, uh, like, with the 15, you have two seaters. So, occasionally, we'll put people in the back seat and they can go for a nice little ride. Nice. Right, uh, you, you get out of the cockpit. Your legs are jello. You, you're contemplating all your life decisions at that point, right? Because <laughs> the pilot, the, mi- the minute you get in there, right, the pilot's like, "I'm gonna fuck your world up." Hell yeah! Especially, especially <laughs> if you talk shit to him for like the past five years. You're like, oh hey, fuck you yeah! Some- like, dude, I do his flight simulator all the time. I can do your job any goddamn day. Yeah. Right? And he's like, "Oh really? All right." <laughs> and then that's when they do like the full vertical takeoffs, which is full burner down the runway, and then just pull it as hard and straight up as you can go. Yeah, like twelve um, as fast as you go, right? And you just all you know when they say the tunnel vision, it's no bullshit. Like you just see black, 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 and all of a sudden there's this little pin circle left of light in front of you, and then they come out of it, and it just oh. right, and then you can see everything again. You're like, what the fuck was that and he's like that's me almost killing you (laughs) you know jesus so uh no so you get to do stuff like that um on a you know for special occasions and then with the a10 there is no two seaters it's always a one seater right so it's always the guy right so you never get to uh you never got to fly one so no i never got to fly one um i was slotted for an f-16 ride in active duty and then they heard i was going guard and they're like, get the fuck out of here. So they took me out of the slot. They're like, nah, <laughs> you know, bro. Yeah. And, uh, 
And then like for the guard, right, you'll get a ride uh, pretty much like when you're about to retire or you won an award or something like that. So Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So how many more years before you get your ride? Probably about a year. About a year? I'd say prob- about a year. There's a chance I could get a ride or if I, you know, kiss the right ass at some place. But <laughs> if you've been listening so far, you know that's really not my style. So. <laughs> <laughs> either So either you're going to kiss an ass, which is not your style. But more or less, what you're going to do is you're going to be that punk or whatever, or you're just going to be sarcastic to a, a, a pilot that's going to yeah. – he's going to want to go take you up for a ride and fuck you up a little bit. <laughs> yep. He's going to be like, oh, no, I'll take Nason. You know? Like, <laughs> that'll be, I'll, I'll take him up. Not a problem. Yeah. I remember when uh, a really good friend of mine, when he retired, we were out in um, Bulgaria. And uh, he was getting ready to retire. It was his last trip. And we're like, hey, we got to throw him up in the seat. So we put him up in the seat. And the pilot's like, Dave, how long have you been in now? And he's like, 25 years. And he's like, man, you're not going to forget this. <laughs> and instead of doing the like typical vertical takeoff, like, like I said, is end of the runway, they, you know, they're at a stop, they go for a burner, come off the brakes, go as fast as they can, pull it up hard. Yep. This guy uh, takes off like normal, no burner. We're like, oh, that's weak as shit. Yep. And then he brings it around and you see he's building up speed and he does this wide circle. And then you hear him kick the burners on as soon as he straightens up and we're like, shit just got real. <laughs> and he goes full burner, low pro all the way down the runway, you know, just above it and then takes it up vertical. So he went and got basically like a head start. Yeah. As opposed to starting from a dead stop. He went and got as much momentum as he could before he went full burner and brought him up. And my buddy gets out of the seat after about an hour of flight. And I'm like, how the fuck was that? He's like, I wish I could tell you. I passed the fuck out. <laughs> I was done. You know, that would be me. I'd be pissing all over myself. Drool be everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I'd, right. I would definitely be, I'd be out. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do that. And, Jesus. So what's the, uh, so like you said, you've been to Texas and stuff like that. Where anywhere else that you've ever been that kind of like reminds you of home or which is like a, a place for anybody that's coming in the Air Force, I guess, where would you want them to go? Well, so you fill out when you're at uh, tech school, you have what they call the dream sheet, which is exactly what it is. This is yep. a dream because you're not going to get anything on it. So I put down like Italy, England, and I, I'm trying to remember there's like one other place that, cause I was like, I want to go see the fucking world, right? I've right. been living my life in Maine, which is basically its own country. It's yeah. just so isolated from everything else. No yeah. one, half the country doesn't even know it's a state. I say I'm from <laughs> Maine. They're like street. And I'm like, no, the, the goddamn state. Yeah. And, uh, so they're like, Oh, you want to go overseas? And I'm like, fuck yeah, man. Like I didn't sign up to just hang out here. Let's fucking go. They're like right. sick. You're going to Alaska. I'm like, Hell yeah. what? Now, this is how educated I am. They said, I got orders like, you are going to Eielson Air Force Base AK. And I'm like, when the fuck did we get an A-10 base in Arkansas? <laughs> and they're like, like, man, you're fucking dumb. And I'm like, what? And they're like, AK is Alaska. And I'm like, get the fuck out of here. And they're like, no, man, you're, you're going to Alaska. Yeah. And the guy was like, it's awesome. I'm like, what do you mean? He's yeah. like, it's like an untapped resource. People don't go there. The women are everywhere. And I'm like, no shit. And he's like, yeah, man. He's like, it's a party out there. No rule. You're going to blend in just fine. Right. And I'm like, 
fuck yeah, let's go to Alaska, <laughs> yep. right? So I ship out to Alaska. I show up. It's August. It's snowing. And the f- intro brief is like, hey, this is a sausage fest. The ratio is 65 men to one female on yep. the base and like 70 to one off base. And I'm like, am I in the right spot? So I was told this is a fucking like party zone. Like, oh yeah, you're going to party with a lot of dudes. A lot of and dudes. Like, and I'm like, oh God damn it. Why is it snowing? It's August. They're yep. like, oh, this is beautiful weather here. If it's above freezing, you're, you're, you're happy. You're yeah. like, Get the fuck out of here. Yep. So I went to the main of the West is basically yep. what happened, right? Um, if you're outdoorsy and you like the hunting and the fishing and all that kind of stuff, yeah, it's great. But if you're like 20, about to turn 21 years old and your ideal situation <laughs> is the Las Vegas Strip, yep. not the fucking place to be, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I had a lot of fun. Like I did go fishing at like 4 a.m. because the sun was still up. Uh, yeah. I saw the northern lights. Um, so, that, I mean, it's cool to see, but to live there, Once. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. Like, there are certain times you just look at the ceiling and you're like, could that support my weight? But, uh, <laughs> right, when you're not, when you haven't seen the sun for like six months. Yeah. But other cool areas, I mean, I've been in the Air Force, like I said, 18 and a half years. Yep. I've been to 27 countries, right? Yeah. When you're tagged with an airplane, wherever that airplane goes, you go. Hell so, yeah. and when you, and I highly recommend this. If you join, stay fucking single, right? <laughs> Don't tie yourself down because yeah. if you're single and you got no dependents, you get to travel. It's like a free ticket everywhere, right? right? And you have no worries in the world. When I went to Afghanistan for like six plus months, I, I mean, I had no, I canceled my apartment. I canceled car payments because it's just money in the bank, right? right? right. I had no, get rid of all your bills when you, what else are you going to do? Yeah. Um, but then, like, you go to Europe and you're living out in Europe and stuff like that, and you get to party it up. You're not having, you know, like, call back home and, you know, with the time differences and all that shit. Oh, yeah. Nah, man, live your life. Like, enjoy yep. the, live for the story, do it up. And, uh, so I got to do that for many, many, many years, you know, well over 10 plus years. And then, yeah, then I got old. Uh, I met the one and got married and then now I have like you know three girls at home so if I go on a trip it's more like I'm going to work I'm coming back and then I got to you know FaceTime the kids at this time I got to FaceTime yep. the wife at this time and oh, then yeah. maybe get some sleep and stuff like that so but no I mean it's a great opportunity I my wife had to explain what vacations are to me when we first got married cuz I was like I don't understand what you're saying why would I take time <laughs> off from work to go on a vacation and right. she's like what are you not getting? I'm like, my work pays for me to go on vacation. Yeah, like, exactly. I go to <laughs> Italy. I've been to all these places, right? And I'm like, on their dime. Yeah. So why would I pay to go do that? And then she's like, because you don't have to work when you go there. I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then she convinced me, and now, now I'm like addicted to it. But, uh, yep. but yeah, I mean, like, if you're a single guy and stuff like that, the military is definitely a... It's a different alternative to the typical life you're going to live if you go to college. Right. I understand that if you go to, you know, the four-year universities and stuff like that, you're going to have stories. You're going to have crazy times. Not going to deny it. But are you going to be able to say that, like, you're ripping shots in Bulgaria or, you know, like, yeah. you 
uh, I remember I pissed off some Irish people because apparently Irish car bomb is not a term they use over there. <laughs> uh, right? Yeah. Uh, or like in France, you know, you just piss off everyone over there because they always retreat and you're drunk and think that's funny to say. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> you know, like you just get to go around the world and party it up and have fun and see things and do things. Like I've been to the top of the Eiffel Tower. I've been in the Louvre. I, uh, been, you know, I did the corny picture holding up the leaning tower of Pisa and stuff like that. You know, yeah. you do shit like that, but then you also gain the experience of when I was overseas, you live in a tent, you're eating at Marie's. Right. It sucks, but you wouldn't want to be any other place right. because you have everything you worked for is now coming to fruition. And every morning you wake up, What's being reported in the news back home is the shit that you're doing. Right. You exactly. Know? So like the, yes, college, I, from what I hear is a lot of fun, but they write books and make movies about the shit that you do in the middle. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well put. Well put. Um, yeah, you were telling a story there about, you know, the Irish car bombs and stuff like that. And I remember I wouldn't, uh, I went to Osaka, Japan, which is mainland Japan, because I went to Okinawa for two years. So I go to Osaka, and uh, I go there as a protocol driver, whatever, for the Army. And I showed up, and I talked to the Army sergeant. And I was like, hey, you know, I'm Corporal, blah, blah, blah. You know, where do, where do you need me to send? And she's like, well, if I need you, I'll find you. I'm like, you want a cell phone? Do we form up? Anything like that? She's like, no, if I need you, I'll find you. She didn't find me for 34 days. Yeah. You know, I left that base, that little area that we were at, and I never came back on. <laughs> Until I was ready to leave. And uh, so I remember walking around Osaka, mainland Japan, walking into bars and just giving random Japanese people like noogies. Yeah. So. <laughs> Fuck it. Right. Like, and I mean, I'm sure there were huge fans of that. I mean, just building oh, yeah. relations wherever you go. Right. So. You know, one guy even told me, he's like, oh, he started laughing about Pearl Harbor. I was like, hey, you wish a bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know what laughs> <I mean? laughs> Which, side note, have you ever been to uh, Hawaii, like no. Pearl Harbor? No. So I've been there. Okay. Hell yeah. And, um, it's definitely something you want to see with the, uh, USS Arizona and it's a great monument, but it's fucking awkward because like you go into this, like, you know, little theater and they give you a movie about what this all means, what you're right. about to see. I didn't know when I went there that Pearl Harbor is like a tourist destination for Japanese people. Wow. So that's fucking awkward yeah, when that fucked. movie wraps up, right? And you're doing a tour of this sunken ship and you're just like looking around at all these guys like, you fucks. Yeah. You fucks. You're right. <laughs> like, the, yeah. like a, but then if you got to do, if you go do the audio tour, one of the most baller things, uh, I've ever heard in my life. And I looked around when it was happening was on the audio tour, uh, President Bush senior was on it because he was there during Pearl yep. Harbor and he fought in that war. Yep. And he said, uh, they asked him, you know, do you hate the Japanese people for what they did? And his answer was the most gangster thing I've ever heard. He goes, no, um, they pick a, they picked a fight and we won and we won hard. Yeah. And at that point of the audio tour, I'm looking around and everyone else has headphones. I'm like, do you hear that motherfucker? Yeah. That's right. Don't you forget. <laughs> you, know? you, take, you stand up, you take a bow. Yeah. <laughs> I'll sign autographs. Like, I'll be here all day. Right. You're just looking at all the other Japanese people around you and you're just like, you like, they must have a different audio tour. And they're just like, Oh, we, we apologize. 
Yeah, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, but like you, I heard that with President Bush, and I'm just like looking around, like you sons of bitch. Did you hear that? Did you hear that? And then I'm like asking, I'm like, where we dropped the bombs over there? Is that like a tourist destination for us? They're like, no, no, no. We don't, <laughs> we don't go there. We don't go over there. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't go take pictures over there. I'm like, it's fucked up. But yeah, yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no worries, no worries at all, man. So. Yeah, dude, I'm just, I don't know, man. Like, this podcast has been really good for me, but as I'm talking to other veterans out there getting to, like, you know, a crew chief, I'm like, here I am. I'm like, I'm motor T, man. I'm, you know what I mean? I just, you know, and then you, you know, crew chief and everything else. I'm like, man, I should have did something way better than motor T. But I was kind of like. man. (laughs) But. You got to remember, like, it's crazy. Well, I say this, and then I remember. So, like, in the Air Force, there's the fly line, and then there's what we call the donors, non-mission essential, right? And right. The finance people and all that. Right. And I shit on them, like, any given chance I can, because they get lunch breaks and all that, and their uniform is very clean. And right. they're always in their blues, because it's fancy. Right. And fuck off. <laughs> but, but at the end of the day, in all honesty, it's like a wheel. And every branch and every job is a spoke. And if you take one of those out, then you get off balance, and then it all goes to shit, right? Right. In like in Afghanistan with the A ten, our job was to back up like the Marines and the Army that are out there pushing the line, you know, and then we either uh got rid of the line or we expanded it so that way people didn't die and you get rid of the enemy. Right. Um but that A ten is essentially useless if the Marines and Army aren't there to fight on the ground, right? right. Um and, and so everyone works together. I mean, for Christ's sakes, I was in Afghanistan. And the Navy showed up, and I'm like, you motherfuckers know there's no ocean around here, right? <laughs> and, then, and they're like, nah, bro. They're like, we, we have airplanes, too. I'm like, ah, oh, shit, Top Gun. And, uh, <laughs> right? And, and they were there. But, I mean, that's the thing is that, like, at this one base, we had Marines, Army, Navy, Air Force all fighting together yep. uh, towards this common goal. And that's when it really hits you. Like, it is a spoke. And I'll shit on every branch that is an Air Force. Mostly when I'm around other Air Force people, I shit on the Air Force more than anything. <laughs> but, uh, guys that have been overseas and guys that have actually seen that joint unity and stuff like that, I think really get it. And then you really can tell who's never been overseas when they're like, oh, fuck the Air Force. You guys are nothing but da 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 da. And I'm like, right. bro, do you know, like, yeah, what we fucking did to keep you alive and stuff like that? You know, right. Exactly. Um, just show how much of a small world it is. Like when I was in Afghanistan back in, I want to say Oh three timeframe. And, uh, we were backing up these, this Marines that are doing their convoys and stuff like that. Yep. And then you 12, 13 years later, I meet up with this guy at my now job and we're talking and stuff like that. And he's like, Oh shit, I was in Afghanistan in Oh three. And I'm like, Oh shit. So was I. And I'm like, what were you doing? He's like, Oh, I was in this Marine regiment. And I'm like, Wait. And he's like, wait, what were you doing there? I'm like, I was with the A-10 unit. My A-10 was uh, flying above him on his missions. Hell yeah. Right? So, like, that unity right there were like, holy fuck, small world. And he's like, dude, your airplane saved my life, like, at least a dozen times. And yeah. I'm like, you were out there pushing the line. So you saved my life like every fucking day that you were out there. So and you kept them from coming into my tent at night. <laughs> right, exactly. So, I mean, like, now, you know, it's always Marine versus Air Force, and typically yeah. he wins. 
But <laughs> <laughs> but at that same point, like if anyone tried to get into the conversation, like who the fuck are you? you know, yeah, like, exactly. And, and uh, so that brotherhood, um, for lack of better terms, of all the branches come together. So no matter what you do in any branch, it does contribute to the fight. Even if you're finance, possibly, maybe. I'm not quite sure what you still do. <laughs> right. right. I mean, at least supply. We know what they do. <laughs> right. They give me the parts I need. Finance, you keep telling me to go on DTS and do it myself. I don't know what the fuck you're doing in it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what a Perk E7 is, all right? I've asked everybody. <laughs> um, no, it's funny that, you, you know, you're hitting it on a nail there because, you know, it was amazing for me. I'm looking back at it now. Like I said, I did 05 to 09. Um, I'm looking back at it now, and it's amazing how, you know, in 2005, before I go into the Marine Corps, I'm like, fuck everybody. Everybody's dicks. I don't need anybody. Everybody's a douchebag, you know. Fuck everybody. And uh, so you go to boot camp and then you start building that like camaraderie and everything else. And then you start, you get out of boot camp and you start going to all these other bases and all these, you, you start mingling with all these other branches. And all of a sudden you're like, dude, why did I ever talk bad about one person before is is crazy. You know what right. I mean? And it's just, it's, it's great. It really is like, it's a brotherhood. You take the oath and boom, you're adopted at that point. Oh, yeah. And I mean, and then you notice the biggest difference is when you actually try to mingle with civilians again, right? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> like, so, there, there's a fine line between your brothers in uniform and then those guys you hung out with back in high school kind of stuff. Right. Exactly. It, my job now, I made I made a comment one time. I was like, yeah, this, this, I was like, this person's pissing me off. I'm going to go fucking punch a baby. You know, because right. that's the Marine Corps. That's what we do. We make fun of babies. You know, I'm going to go nuke a baby. This, that, and the other. That's what we do. And right. uh, we don't, we're not actually going to go do it. <laughs> But, uh, well, I mean, depend. <laughs> the baby had it fucking coming. Did you yeah. see that smirk again? <laughs> but, you know, like, so, like, I got to talk to by my fucking lieutenant and everything else. He's like, dude, you can't really be fucking saying. I'm like, dude, come on, really? Fuck out of here. I'm like, what do you want me to say? He's like, well, you got nothing say, nice to say. Don't say nothing at all. I was like, wow, dude. That's the world we're living in nowadays, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, I know there's, like, if I was out and about and we get a couple of whiskeys in us or something like that and we're walking around and like i used to grab my friend's hand in the military right and i'd be like hold my hand i don't want to lose you i need an adult and that yeah. was funny Hell yeah. right do the same thing with a civilian friend I'm like come here i want to hold your hand because i don't want to get lost i need an adult and they're like what the fuck are you doing dude yeah. and i'm like oh you're insecure with yourself that's right yeah that's right uh, <laughs> <laughs> well it's like one of my best friends is he's he's air national air national guard too as well my wife keeps saying he's like he's definitely your boyfriend like there's, no, <laughs> she's like, if you guys haven't tried to dock each other yet, she's like, I'd be very surprised. My wife, every time I'm on my phone, she's like, are you texting your boyfriends right now? And, yep. then, and then like, I start giggling like a little girl. I'm like, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. Like, yeah busted. <laughs> yeah. Like, but I'm sitting there talking to like my boys, Polly and David. I'm just like, uh, I miss you so much. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't know what we said. We said more fucked up shit. Or gay shit to each other, and yep. they make each other laugh. And then my yep. wife's like looking at me, and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> well, <laughs> that's when you look at your wife and be like, "Hey, Dave wants to know um, my underwear. Are what, what color would you say these are?" <laughs> right, exactly. Like, I gotta go send my nudes to my buddy Paulie because it's to make him laugh. And she's like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" you know? <laughs> yeah, like we went through that stage where you take pictures of poop and you just text it. You know, back when. In, oh uh, yeah. A photo would not just automatically show up. You had to click on it, see yep. what it was on your phone. Oh yeah, we're old, we're old right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, I remember we used to do that thing with with poop. And I, the girl I was dating at the time, is like, "How fucking old are you?" I'm like, "I don't know, 25." It's <laughs> 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 a great thing about this phone. I can be whatever age I want to be. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, shut up. Like this is good old fashioned humor and stuff yep. like that. 
And then you ever try to tell your wife, like, the humor that you and your boys have? Because I'd be like, oh, Dave said the funniest thing the other day. And she's like, yeah, what's that? I'm like, he asked me, what's the most expensive haircut? And she's like, what is it? I'm like, chemo. And she just, (laughs) and she looks at me and she's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I'm dying laughing, you know? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But just to be clear out there for the listeners, we're not making fun of people with cancer, but it's just... You know, it's the no, military. No, but it is an expensive haircut. <laughs> it really is. I mean, you're not lying, but um, <laughs> that's good. I don't know. I'll use that. <laughs> but no, we're, we're joking. And, uh, you know, the best advice I can give anybody that's not in the military and you want to understand our military humor or if you think that you would be able to get it, watch Vet TV. I don't know if you've ever seen Vet TV. No. Oh, my God. You're going to love it. It's that's all it is. It, it is veteran humor. It's a bunch of veterans, <laughs> and it's every branch. You know what right. I mean. No matter what they're doing, and it's just, I it's hard to explain. But like one of the episodes, like there's like grunt life. So it's a bunch of Marines in Iraq or whatever, and this guy's talking about a, a talking to a story to the reporter or whatever, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, my worst day here. He's like, my top and my captain was walking by, and they caught me fucking my flashlight in the shower. You know." <laughs> I mean, why would you not? Right. I mean, what else are you going to do? <laughs> That's what it's there for. I heard of flashlights. I'm just going to make my own. That's called ingenuity. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So out of everywhere you've been, where's the number one place that you would say that you would definitely go back to besides Maine? Italy. Italy. Italy without a doubt, bro. Yeah. The food, the wine. They all like take naps. Like, Hell yeah. You know, like they live life right. They live life. They live to live. They don't live to work, you know? Okay. They they work just to get by enough so they can live the life that they want. And that shit was awesome. Like, and at the time they were very pro-American. I don't know how they are now. Right. The whole right. world seems to hate us. But if you go over there and they're like, oh, I got a personal vineyard, right? You need to come over here. Try this wine. Try that wine. Hell yeah. And like they would make us full spreads and stuff like that. And it was, that shit was sick. And then, you know, like you're hanging out in the Mediterranean, you're smoking Cuban cigars and you're drinking and I'm like, yo, this is the life. Hell yeah. Dude, I couldn't imagine that. And then, yeah, I mean, I couldn't, and then, you know, you go to a place like that and like, hey, next you're going to Jordan and you're like, that. I don't feel it's going to be the same thing. Yeah, (laughs) definitely going to be different. (laughs) But yeah, no, Italy for sure was a trip. It was. Uh, everything you think it would be like whenever you think of a vacation how an Italian vacation would be that's how it was there hell yeah alright so I'm gonna take I'm gonna go to Italy yes I'm gonna take off I'm gonna get the hell out of Massachusetts cause this place is a fucking dump oh all of New England <laughs> all of New England is going down to the shitter real quick besides New Hampshire New Hampshire is between yeah. Massachusetts and Maine and they're just like we're not doing shit yeah like Massachusetts is like your lockdown's at 10 o'clock, and then Maine's like, your lockdown's at 9 o'clock, and New Hampshire's like, eh, do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> I mean, if when your license plate and your your state motto and everything else is live free or die, I mean, what else is right. there? <laughs> you know, you're not right. going to take any rules. But I'll tell you what, I may be from Maine, but one thing, uh, I, I believe my governor may be legally, uh, I can't use the R word, so we'll just say dumb. Yep. Um, but <laughs> thank God I'm not in California. I'll tell you that Oh, much. God, no. <laughs> yeah, I can <laughs> And I, and I feel for you guys out there in California, you know, veterans and everything else too. It's, uh, we're definitely in a, in a crazy time. And I don't know, man. I, I'm going to say something, but I don't want it to come out the wrong way. 
Um, it probably I, will. It probably will. So <laughs> that's why, you know, my wife tells me too, she's like, you know, those times when you're, when you think about something and then you admit that you're about to say something bad, she's like, just don't say that bad thing. <laughs> nah, fuck that. Go for it. No, I'm definitely going to say it. Uh, <laughs> but like 9 11, all right? This, the worst day, you know, by far in our generation, right? For us. 9 12, though. Best day. Best fucking day, dude. You want to talk right. about everybody just putting aside everything and just getting to, with each other and helping each other and and becoming united. Like, that was a great time for us, right? Right. Like, so, if uh, on episode three of my podcast, Talking the Rocks, like, I kind of went into this a little bit because I'm yep. alluding to the same thing you are of, I don't understand in America where the fuck we got to where we're at. Right. I don't remember growing up and wondering if my neighbor was a Democrat or a Republican. Right. right. And I don't remember such a time that what who you voted for in November dictates how you're going to be spending Christmas with your family. Because if you voted for the right. other side, I don't know if I can see. Right? right. Exactly. And this divide that it just seems to continuously grow makes it very difficult. But I think my overall advice is to stop looking to the White House and stop looking to Washington, D.C. to set the example, because guess what? They're fucking not. Right. They're paid puppets, right? Right. They're not really there to do what they're supposed to be doing there. They're there to make sure they can stay there to reap the benefits. Um, I think most of them go there with good intentions, and then when someone offers you a million dollars to vote one way, you're like, fuck this. All right, let's do it. Right. Uh, I'm only one not, vote. <laughs> right. And, and don't get me wrong. Yeah. I would do the exact same thing. But uh, what I'm saying is that we need to start looking at each other in the neighborhood level, yeah. right? And I am Republican, okay? I will fully admit that. But my brother-in-law is very Democrat. But right. we can still go golfing, right? We do fantasy football. We can still function. And that should be an example for the rest of America to be like, because Democrats have an idea of what they think is going to make the country better. Right. Republicans have an idea of what they think is going to make the country better. Now, they may be different at times, but there's probably more middle ground than we actually want to believe. But at the end of the day, you got to look at the other side of the aisle and be like, hey, they're just trying to make things better. Right. We're just trying to make things better, too. We're just got to find a compromise, right? Because at the end of the day, we're all one team, one fight. Right. And that mentality has gone very far away since 9-12. Right. Yep. Of everyone putting their flags out and stuff like that. Uh, I find it very ironic now that Democrats are screaming, Hey, it's time to unite when the past four years they were having protests every night outside the White House saying, not my president. Right. And whenever he ate a sandwich wrong, they're like, we should impeach him for that. Right. But on the reverse side, Republicans aren't helping themselves out now because it's like, you need to fucking accept that Joe Biden's your next president. Stop with like, there's still a chance. And, you know, right. Trump still has this state. Nope. We lost. We made fun of all the Democrats back in 2016 for whining and bitching when they lost. Let's move on. Yep. Um, I don't think this dynamic duo that's in me in the White House is the answer. Um, I don't think Democrats believe that he's the answer either. It's just not Trump. And right. where everyone's just praying for a better 2024. Um, but <laughs> I think you're right. We got to get back to this unity because it's extremely hard, right? Especially if you're coming from overseas or something like that, and you come back home, and the country is so divided and hates each other so much. You're like, 
the fuck did I just go risk my life for? Absolutely. When, you, when you're willing to kill yourselves over here, right, with all the riots and stuff like that we had throughout the summer. Yep. And I'm like, you know that's still your neighbor, right? Absolutely. Like, yeah. And I don't care, black, white, Asian, yeah, whatever matter. you are, matter. right? You, at the end of the day, if you are here, you're an American and you should be proud to be that. And no more, not my president, I'm moving to Canada if this happens or if that happens, I'm doing this. Right. No. Work together to make it better. Like me and my wife do a very simple thing. And I, and I challenge a lot of people to try to do this. When we go through like a Dairy Queen uh, drive through or Dunkin' Donuts, because we live in New England, right? Yep. So we run on Dunkin'. The donkeys. Right? Take care of the car behind you. Hey, we'll take care of the car behind us. Yep. And then if you do that and everyone starts to pay it forward, the world isn't so bad. Right. Because at the end of the day, who you elect into office really doesn't fucking matter. Right. The policies that come out of it and stuff like that really don't affect your everyday life. Like, I can tell you, besides military people or people that work for the government, nothing really changes <laughs> right. who's in the White House, you know? Your taxes went up 0.03% or they went down 0.02%. Like, that's right. the extent of a four-year president, you know? So you're just like, hey, stop looking to D.C. and stuff like that and start looking at, hey, my neighbor voted for another person, but they're just trying to do what's best for the country. I may not agree with it, but hey, let's move forward and have a barbecue. Right? Yeah. We both like beer. We both think the Patriots fucking suck this year. Let's talk about it. You know, like that's, <laughs> that's the shit that you should be more focused on than, right. uh, you know, all the craziness that happens over in DC. Yeah. And it's, and it's crazy, you know, to hit on what you, all that you just said, said, um, you know, you take, like I said earlier in the show, before the Marine Corps, I was like, fuck everybody. I don't care about anybody. And that's where everybody's at now. But then you look at all the veterans, like I'm a vet, you're a vet. I'm in the right. Marines. You're in the Air Force. We're supposed to hate each other. But at the end of the fucking day, dude, my couch is right there open for you anytime you need it. Right. You know what I mean? And we're always going to be there for each other no matter what. And it's why can't that move on to everybody else too? You know what I mean? It's, it's, because you know everyone I mean? thinks they're fucking special. <laughs> and I don't understand this fucking mentality. Let me – here's a quick break. Yep. Okay? If you're not – if you're a veteran, you know you're not special, right? You know you're just a, a cog in the system. Right. Um, and you fully <laughs> accept that. Yeah. If you're a civilian and you're like, well, I'm special. No, you're fucking not. Yeah. Because guess what? There's 30 million other of you in the fucking world. Yeah. You're really not that unique. Um, but guess what? You're more, you get along. All right. I shouldn't say that. You have more in common with the people around you than you probably think. Right. Exactly. Right. And if you were like united, we stand divided, we fall. Right. Yep. And if more neighborhoods like, hey, I don't agree with this, that, or the other thing, but we can all agree like, hey, let's make sure that the streets are safe for our kids can have Halloween or something like that, right? Yeah. If everyone works together, guess what? That neighborhood's pretty fucking safe. Absolutely. And if you all invest into something and like, hey, we're all going to pitch in and buy a new playground or something like that, it fucking happens. And everyone's a little bit happier and the neighborhood gets a little bit better. If you work at that level, then you don't give a shit about DC. You care about like, hey, we're fucking good here. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And if the whole country does that, then we're fucking golden. Yeah. So I want to kind of go down a rabbit hole here of the political thing. I'm over here and trying to, I'm biting my tongue. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what is your, I don't know if this is the right time to ask, but your podcast. So talk to me about your podcast. Where, where did you get the idea for that? What, you know, what's on your show? 
So with uh, Talk on the Rocks, basically, I try to bring back the philosophy of it's okay to disagree. Yep. And the saying of I agree to disagree because we really lost the ability to talk, right? Yep. And have full-on conversations because all you have nowadays is your Facebook keyboard warriors, yep. your TikTok dancers, your Twitter you know, people and stuff like that. So instead of doing all that stuff, let's sit down and actually have a conversation. Because I find that if you actually sit down, have a face-to-face conversation with someone, you actually see that it's a human. Right. And no matter how they voted, no matter how they, you know, what their stance is on this, that, or the other thing, we all are pretty close to the same. Oh, yeah. And we can have a good drink, share some laughs, because that's what life is actually about. So on Talking the Rocks, it's, you know, I'm always drinking my whiskey. And, uh, we're just expressing like, we had one person that he went in and he was an extra on films and he worked with Mel Gibson and he worked with, uh, Johnny Depp and these oh, big yeah. time guys, right? And he's just a normal guy. You know, he's not one of these and he's very Democrat, right? He's, right. he's anti-Trump and we had a fun conversation about it because when you take this, you know, this like stigma of politics and like my side is right, your side is wrong. No, they're both fucking wrong. Um, and I don't agree with either side a hundred percent. So you can poke fun at it and actually have some laughs and you're like, yeah, like I don't fully agree with what you're saying, but I see your point. Right. Exactly. And, and, and when you get to that level, the goal of the podcast is that everyone understands that everyone has a good story and you don't need to be famous to have a good story like you're doing here. Right. Right. That you don't have to have a movie made about you to do some extraordinary event to have a vet that has a good story. Right, exactly. And and uh, on our podcast, I take regular people that I just find fucking interesting. And we talk about it. And then my goal is that people are listening like, oh, shit, I did that too. Or, yeah. oh, I agree with that. Or I don't agree with what they're saying, but... That's still a person. It's not this, you know, person on the news. That's not a real person. Right. right exactly. Um, so that's the goal of the podcast is trying to develop conversation again because we've lost this ability to talk. Instead, your Facebook is algorithm to only give you what you want to see. And right. your news, if, you know, is by your political party. If you're Democrat, you're watching CNN. If you're a Republican, you're watching Fox News. Right. And if you ever watch both, on one major event, they're two very separate stories. Yeah. So you're not getting the real thing. But when you actually start talking to people, that's when you get to the truth of the situation. And that's when you start to figure out, like, the polls are fucking wrong. He may vote this way, but he, we get along on this and we can agree on that. Right. And I think that's the major thing is bringing the art of conversation and the beauty of good talks back together. And uh, so that's what I'm trying to do on every episode. Whereas the last right. episode, I just went on a rant and rave because I can't fucking take the fake COVID rules anymore. So I just right. ranted about that <laughs> for a while. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's what you're saying is, is absolutely 100% true. I mean, you just need to talk. You know, if you start talking to people and everything else, you can just like the veterans on our, our side, you know, I'm Mission 22 ambassador. You know, as I started this podcast, my my whole sole purpose of this podcast was to get to that one veteran out there that needed to hear that episode at that moment to change his mind about what he was going to do and right. talking. I mean, this podcast helps me tremendously just on my day-to-day life and, and everything else and pushes me to help more and help more and help more, which is making me a better person, which is making 
you know, hopefully my listener is a better person and realizing that like, hey, listen, everybody's the same, but different. Right. You know what I mean? And we all have the same struggles. We handle it differently and everything else. And so getting out there, talking to your brothers and your sisters or or your neighbor, you know, if you're a Republican and, and you're, you're really getting mad at the news, try to take yourself and try to go have a conversation with a Democrat without getting heated. And, right. and, you know, if you're and that's a big thing. Yeah. Like, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Uh, what I was just going to say is that that's the big thing is just stop watching the fucking news. Yeah. Like I can, t- I can tell you what's on the news right now. Okay. It's how many new COVID cases are in your area? How many new COVID cases are in the States? And how many new COVID cases are in the world? How many people died and why the country should hate each other? Yep. That's all. That, that, that's the news, right? Right. But if you take yourself out of that, you just can, I mean, we all have our, our iPhones and Androids. You can get the quick facts real quick. Okay. How many cases? What color are my kids' school? Stuff like that. Yep. And then besides that, move on and just talk to your neighbors, like you were saying, and stuff yeah. like that. And if you take care at that level and build those relationships, the rest of the shit doesn't matter. You know, right. like. I really, you know, you never know that one person that you're talking to, you can have a mindset going into there. Like, even if you're a veteran that's, you know, in need and you're, and you're like, well, oh, fuck, I'm just going to talk to this guy. Like, what does he know? You might find out that he was down in that same pit with you and he right. got himself out of the same thing. Or you might take something away from that that's going to make you as a better person and, and look back at your hardest time. And when you hit that reset button on your life was the best thing and you're going to enjoy it. No, I fully agree. Because, I mean, I, I, I can't speak for you, but I know, like, for myself, at some point in my life, I, I was in a downward spiral, right? Yeah. Like, the adjustment from active duty to civilian life is extremely hard. Oh, yeah. Um, civilians are creatures that have no order, you know? And <laughs> when you're coming from a life of everything is structured and everything has a purpose, that can be hard to deal with. Yeah. Um, and then you have all these new things. Like if you went in as early as I did, like I said, nine days after high school graduation, I was in the uniform. But then when you get out and people are telling you like, you need to buy insurance. Well, I never had to fucking buy insurance before. Yeah. Where the fuck do I do that? You know? And then rent. Well, no, I stayed in the barracks. That shit was covered. Right. Food bills. You know, all these things that start to pile up and come to find out like being a fighter jet mechanic, not much work on the outside. You know, so <laughs> there's not a lot of A10s in the civilian world. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so you're trying to make a living. You're trying to learn how to adapt to these people that are pretty now foreign to you if you've been, you know, institutionalized yeah. right from the get go yeah. of how they think and how they function. Um, and it depends on where you live too. Like I moved back to Maine, which is in my part of Maine, very liberal. And I am a gun owner. And they're, my friends were like, why do you have a gun? I'm like, why do you not? Yeah, you know, exactly. and, and then, but that just that difference right there was like we had to talk about it because they never even thought of owning a firearm. They right. never had to, right? right? It's just a bunch of white suburban kids, right? And then you go out and you see some of the, you know, the world, and you become a gun owner. And then you come back to that, and they're like, I don't understand this, and it's just a different element. Yeah. So, but that whole adjustment. And now you're the oddball. And now you're, yeah, you're damaged. everyone went to, right. Everyone went to college and they have those stories and they can't relate to the shit that you went through. Right. Like when I first came back from Afghanistan and I went out, I came home on leave 
And they just couldn't even talk to me because they're just like, you know, I did some fantasy thing because they only see about it on the news. Right. And you come back from that and you're like, I just did the most important thing in the world. And they're like, yeah, well, I had a frat party last week. So we're like on the same page. Right. And you're like, are you fucking kidding me? Right. Right. And, and so you start to feel that isolation and you start to feel that dark space. And there are times and it's extremely hard because you're built to be an alpha male. You don't need help. Right. right. You can do everything on your own. Yeah. Suck it up, buttercup. Change your on. socks. Right. And eventually everybody needs help. Yeah. And that's just the God honest truth. You know, we all, like you said, at any, you know, any given point, another vet may be on your couch because he needs the help. You don't know yeah. from, you know, anybody else, but hey, this guy needs help. We're going to help him out. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone needs a helping hand at some point because you get lost in this world. So. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said. Very well said. I, you know, I was going to continue on that, but now I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm going to leave that alone. That was very well said. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it really is. And it's talking is huge. It's, it's, it's very huge. And you're not alone out there, guys and girls. You know, nobody's alone out there. We're out there for you. You can find us anywhere. Right. And that's what the brotherhood is all about. And, uh, and that's one thing I'm extremely fortunate about because in that dark space, like, my my brothers in uniform started to see me. You know, my uniform looked like shit on a drill weekend. I'm smoking and having a dip in, and I don't have a haircut, right? Right. A, a lot of red flags right there telling you right. something's wrong. Right. And, We've been through enough weekend libo briefs. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and at that point, they're like, okay. Like, you are a safety hazard just waiting to happen. And they, yep. they pulled me to the side, and we started having some deep talks. And they would take me in, right? They'd give me, you know, I'd eat with their families and spend more time with them. Yeah. And next thing you know, like, I started to come out of it and stuff. And I had this amazing senior NCO who pulled me into his office and he's like, I don't know what's going on with you. I don't really want to know just right. because I don't want to pull you offline. Right. Here's the real deal. It's time to pull your shit together. Yeah. He's like, it's been a while. I need Brian back. Yeah. And... If you can do that, we're fucking gold. If we can't, you're about to lose the thing you worked on your entire life, which was the military. You're right. going to have to let me go. Right. And uh that reality and that talk really is what pushed me to the edge of like, okay, it's do or die time. Yep. It's time to get my shit together. Right? Because like, my brothers in uniform are what kept me going. And if I would have lost them, I know I was done for. Yeah. So when that reality hit, like, I want you back, but I can't keep you if you keep going down this path. That's when it was like, all right, let's fucking go. You yeah. Know? Let's do it. Yeah. It's, I'm glad. And you got to admit, um, I don't want to speak for you, but if you don't admit or if you don't feel this way, that's fine too. But, um, once you had that conversation with your, with your fellow brothers and sisters and, and your top and everything else, like, you got to admit that there is a huge weight off your shoulders that are like, you know, that, oh, yeah. that came off and, and it made being that you went down that rabbit hole of, of the darkness and everything else and you came over it and now you're, you're doing great things again, all over again. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, right. I feel like if I, it's fucked up, but like in some way, I hope everybody goes through that rabbit hole because it's amazing. If you can get yourself through it or if you got a good, you know, veteran out there somebody friend anybody out there that's good and they see you going through that and get you out of it what a hell of a person you can be on the other side of that rabbit hole 
Right. I mean, it's a classic sign, right? Like, yeah. uh, you never really appreciate the light until you see the darkness. Right. And, and, uh, you know, what's the point of having a sunny day if you never see a cloud, right? Because then you just, you just take it for granted. Right. So the darkness can become overwhelming very, very quick. And depression is extremely, it's running very rampant in our brothers. Um, and I say brothers, I mean females too. Don't get me wrong. Right. The brotherhood. Um, right. It, it, we're very quick to it because like I said, we're all alpha males and we're very slow to ask for, put, to put a hand out and ask yeah. for the help. Um, until it's, you know, unfortunately too late or we're on the verge of. Right. And, uh, I was very fortunate of having friends that caught it and, and you know, I, I was resilient to taking their help, but they kind of made me. Right. And that helped me get out of it. Um, and now I'm very happy, you know, wife, kids, good career and all that kind of stuff. Right. But I'm very appreciative of it. And I think, you know, I'm religious. So I, I thank God every day that I'm able to live the life I had because there is a point in my life where I never would have been able to be where I am today if it wasn't for that reach out. Right. And the one thing we have to get rid of is the stigma that help is weak. Because it, I find it to be, we're brought that way, right? We can do everything right. on our own. Uh, right. Fuck everybody else. I can put, I can put any weight on my back and I will press forward. Yep. But it takes a strong man to admit when he needs help. Yeah. And if you don't and you take, in my opinion, the cowardly way out, you, uh, you, you are weak. You gave into it. Right. And, we battle everything, right? No matter what your MOS, AFSC, whatever branch you call your job, whatever your job is in the military, right? You have a mission and you take on the enemy and, and you defeat it. That's the fucking American way. Yep. And even if, if that, that enemy is yourself, right? And if that enemy is in your mind, that's what it became to me. When I had that talk with that senior NCO, it was like, okay, who the fuck's going to win this battle? Yep. Is it me or is it this depression? Because I can tell you right the fuck now, I've been trained to not lose anything. And right. I'll be damned if this guy's going to kick my ass. So. Look. Low battery. That's all. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, well said again, you know, and, I'm, and I'm, I want to say thank you for coming on to this, onto the show. And uh, for the listeners out there, I mean, you know, I, you know, you hear me and Brian, we're, we're joking, we're laughing at the beginning of the podcast. And we're going to end it on kind of this kind of a note. but. Um, listen, everybody can have a good time in the military and then, uh, you know, get out and go through that struggle and, and whatnot. So if you're one of those person, people going through that, dude, reach out to mission 22 at 1-800-273-8255, hit option one and, uh, you know, talk to someone, you know, they're not going to be pushing pills down you. They're not going to be using these big ass words and saying, oh, you're, you know, oh, you're just depressed. Call me in two weeks. Tell me how you're doing. They're not gonna. They're not like that. It's other veterans that are gonna be sitting here, kind of like the conversation me and Brian are having right now. That's this is a conversation you can have over the phone with someone, and uh, you know. And if you're in a room with a bunch of people, like I said before, if you're somewhere loud or if you're at work, you know, eight three eight two five five. You you can text that number right there, and uh, you'll get a hold of somebody. Just please, please do that, um, because it's amazing. It's amazing when you get on the other side of that black side on what kind of person you're gonna be. And we need really good people to fix America. Because we're hurting right now. 
Yeah, I mean, welcome fucking around you, right? Yeah. We need more vets to get out there and show what <laughs> unity is and show what live yeah. life, right? Like, I think every veteran lives for the fucking story because yeah. you know life is short. At any given point, it's got gone, right? Right. So well, we I mean, need more people out there. We, you got to stay strong, bro, because you got to yeah. show these civilians what good times really are. They yeah. think they know what good times <laughs> No, they don't. You need to show them. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, thank you again. I can't appreciate it enough. And uh, one more time, what's that uh, podcast that you host? Talk on the Rocks. Uh, you can find it on Apple, Spotify, all the, the typical podcast people. And then you know, we're on Facebook, Talk on the Rocks. If you have if, uh, a good story, you want to come on, share, Talk on the Rocks, 207 at gmail.com. Hit us up. We'll get you on. All right. Just send me over a link when we're done here, and I'll throw it in the show description. Thank you again. I can't. Definitely. Appreciate it enough. And uh, listeners, you know how to get a hold of me, AmericanVetPodcast.com. Email's out there, Dave at AmericanVetPodcast.com. I'm Mission 22. You can get a hold of me multiple places. And thank you again, Brian. And uh, it's been been fun. Cheers, brother. Cheers. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land... We unleash the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. The price for this freedom at times has been high, but we have never been unwilling to pay that price. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of David. They add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom.